Hey, good morning, Church Online. You know, today is a very special day. I'm not sure if it's snowing or not, if the prediction came true or not, but the day is special, not just because of the snow, but each year we dedicate a Sunday in January to what we call Vision Sunday. And on this day, we share what we, and when I use the word we, I'm talking about our pastors and directors, uh, I share what we believe God wants us to focus on as a church for this year. You know, last year, our vision was moving on up. We believed God was calling our church to grow up to spiritually mature in 2023. And praise God, I believe that happened in so many ways. But this year, there's a new vision, which I will share in just a moment. However, to be clear, God doesn't want us to stop spiritually maturing in 2024, so don't stop doing that. But this year, we believe the vision for our church involves victory. Last year, we spiritually matured. This year, it is time to walk in victory. You know, growing up, I hated my name. That being said, my name is is important to my family, at least my Asian side. You know, my grandpa or, or my papa was named Gertrudo George Lim, but he always went by George. He grew up in the Philippines, but he joined the U.S. Navy, got stationed in Japan where he met my grandma, or as we call her, Obasan, and then ended up a chief of a submarine in San Diego. Now, he is uh, he, was a, he was a good man and is probably the most honored man on that side of the family. Now, my dad's name is George Lim, no middle name. And then he named me George Lim with no middle name. So that makes me a junior. And my son's name is George Lim. However, his middle name is Nehemiah. So he's not technically a junior. As you can tell, George is an important name in the Lim family. And while it is not expected, I wouldn't mind, I might even hope that it continues to be a name that is passed down through the generations. But growing up again, I hated my name. Growing up, it made me an easy target for bullying because there was Curious George. And of course, there was Georgie Porgy Puddin' Pie, kissed the girls and made them cry. However, as the kids say today, I had no riz, I had no charisma, so I never kissed any girls. But then there was George McFly. Back to the future. Hello, hello. Anybody home? Think, McFly, think. My name put this already introverted kid through a lot of misery. Thankfully, George Lim Sr., that is my dad, was a Hawaiian Kempo black belt, and he taught my brother and I how to fight. So the bullying only went so far. But speaking of Back to the Future, in the second movie, Biff the bully comes up with this plan to make himself rich. Future Biff travels back in time with a sports almanac from 1950 all the way to 2000. And then he tells young Biff, all you need to do is bet on the winner and you'll never lose. And that changes everything for Biff. Knowing who wins changes his life. And he becomes rich. And strangely, this connects to our 2024 vision. 
2 Corinthians 4 or 5 says, we preach that Christ is Lord. The 2024 vision for our church is that Jesus is Lord in 2024. On the cross, Jesus defeated both sin and death. And by his resurrection, he showed all of creation that he is the victorious king. He is Lord. And knowing that Jesus wins should change our lives in a couple of ways. Number one, we should actually live as if Jesus is Lord. You know, many Christians, they love Jesus the Savior. Thank you, Lord, for saving me from that bad situation. Thanks for saving me from hell. But they don't want Jesus as Lord. Thanks for saving me, but leave the rest of my life alone. Well, in 2024, we will be seeking to change that kind of mentality. But secondly, if we follow Jesus as Lord and we know that he has won, then that should change how we live. Like Biff, if we already know the winner, we can't lose. That should give us more boldness, more faith to bet on Jesus. Yet how often do we as Christians live out our faith scared, in secret, or worse, defeated? In Jesus' name, that's also going to change in 2024. Now let me just add this. It's time. It's time for this to change. Now, what I'm about to say is not meant to sound arrogant or prideful. I am praying, I am hoping that as you hear me say it, you will see it as confidence in the victory of Jesus. My friends, God is moving in Glastonbury. We are living in exciting times. I think the season of New England being spiritually dead is over. I believe revival is coming. I believe the people of New England are hungry for God, and God is pouring out his spirit on our community. Mark chapter 4 says, and he said, that's Jesus, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. You know, I, I used to use this verse to make myself feel better about how small our church was. I'd read the first part and say, hey, you know, we're faithfully scattering seed. You know, we're spreading the word of God. We have no control over growth. That's God's job. We are just a small blade of grass poking out through the soil. It's just the season that we're in. And that was true. But guess what? In New England, in Glastonbury, the seasons are changing. God is allowing us to move into the second part of that passage, into the harvest, into a season of spiritual victory. Again, my friends, we are living in exciting times. Therefore, this year, our vision for our church is to become a family that lives as if Jesus is Lord in 2024. And for the remainder of our time, I would like to give you, I would like to give us a preview of what that looks like, what that's going to involve by 
processing this year's vision through our church's vision. Now that might sound a little bit confusing, so let me explain the difference. The 2024 vision is what God is calling our church to focus on this year. The River Church vision is what God is calling our church to be. It's our identity as a church. And just in case you don't know our church's vision, let me share that and also encourage you if you consider The River Church to be your home church. Let me encourage you to memorize this statement, and it goes like this: loving Jesus as we build community and bring joy. Let's look at how we are going to live out the 2024 vision through the three components of our church's vision. In other words, how can we live with Jesus as Lord according to who we are? As a church, all right. So, as a church, according to our vision, we are committed to loving Jesus. As Jesus is teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, he says this: No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You know this verse seems pretty simple, and I like that God is God; He should be the master. But then again, we also know how attractive money is to our hearts, and if we're honest, money easily becomes our master. And so Jesus seems to be making a simple comparison: we need to love God over money. And that's not wrong. I agree with that that interpretation, but I think. That interpretation is missing an important element because it does not consider ancient writing styles. You see, our modern writing is very linear, and when we read that passage today, it seems obvious that the main point is the last sentence: "Serve God over money." But Jesus is actually using what we call a chiasm. Where the main point is not at the end, but it's in the middle. It looks a little bit like this: No one can serve two masters. You will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now, I want you to notice that there are matching statements on the outside: two masters. Then, if you move inward, you have. Hate and despise, which match thematically, and then in the middle you have the matching themes of love and be devoted. Again, in a chiasm, the main point is in the middle. So, what is Jesus's main point in this passage? It is that we should love and be devoted to God. Is saying pick God over money wrong? Of course not. But what Jesus is really teaching us is the first part of our vision statement: that we should be a church that loves Jesus. We should be devoted to Him. And for our 2024 vision, let's say it this way: be devoted to Jesus as Lord. I wonder 
Who are you most devoted to? Who do you love? Who is your Lord? What are you surrendered to or committed to? You know, those are the kind of questions that we are going to be asking and answering all year. And as we answer them, here is what we are going to find. The solution to improving your devotion and loving Jesus more is often going to be connected to how much we, how much you are understanding and applying God's word. Many times, Pastor John and I, we, we use what we call spiritual equations to do this. You know, these aren't uh, complex math equations, but simple ways to break down, understand, connect, and obey God's word. For example, John 14, 15 says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now, here's how a spiritual equation works. Jesus says, if you love me, you're going to obey my word. Well, then it follows that we can't obey God's word if we don't know God's word. Therefore, if you want to love Jesus, you must learn God's word. The spiritual equation or, or basically this thought that if you do these things, this is going to be the result of the equation. It, it, it's, it goes this way. It says, if you learn God's word, you will obey God's word. And it will result in you loving Jesus as Lord. And this year, that's going to happen on Sundays here at church, whether in person or online. You know, we preach and teach God's word here at the River Church. And we are going to start off the year going verse by verse through the book of Daniel. And then we are going to teach through basic and foundational truths in a series titled, Paul Said What? And then later in that year, we're going to teach, or later in this year, rather, we are going to teach through the book of 1 Peter, and then right after that, James. But all of this uh, learning to love God through his word, it, it just can't happen on one day. It can't just be Sunday that this kind of stuff is happening. You also, we also need to learn to love Jesus by spending time with him every single day in what some may call personal devotions. And our church loves to encourage the use of tools like the YouVersion Bible app, the One Year Bible, and even using Right Now Media, which is a video-based Bible study app that you can get from us by going onto our website. And if you have any other further questions about how to use these kind of tools, please reach out to us. But in addition to Sundays, in addition to your personal devotions, there are also opportunities like life groups. At the River Church, life group is where discipleship happens. And discipleship is the process of learning to become more like Jesus. It's a place where a leader invests into the life of a learner, which involves teaching them God's word. And relational discipleship is important because God's word clearly teaches us that we cannot flourish. We cannot live in victory alone. In fact, that brings me to the next part of our vision statement that says, build community. 
In the kingdom of God, victory does not happen in isolation, but in relationship. The Lord Jesus isn't calling us to be spiritual lone rangers, but rather a safe, loving family. You know, some of the tools that I mentioned just a moment ago, I, I personally use. I, I use the one-year Bible. I love the one-year Bible because, first off, it's easy. It organizes my daily Bible readings for me. All I need to do is be consistent. But number two, I like it because it's a book instead of a display. Although I absolutely love the YouVersion Bible app, I use that every day as well. It's hard for me to read for a long time on a screen. I prefer reading from paper. And this week in my one-year Bible, uh, I, I read uh, in the book of Genesis, uh, which is the first book of the Bible, I, re I read this, Genesis chapter 5. It says, when Enoch was 65 years old, he became the father of Methuselah. After the birth of Methuselah, Enoch lived in close fellowship with God for another 300 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Enoch lived 365 years walking in close fellowship with God. Then one day he disappeared because God took him. You know, I love this. I love that it says that Enoch lived in close fellowship with God for 300 years. I mean, how good was their relationship? Obviously, it must have been really good because it says that one day God was like, hey, you know what? I'm just going to bring you to heaven now. Our relationship is so good. I need you with me right now. I mean, talk about winning. Enoch was winning and it wasn't easy. Having a deep relationship with God was not common at this time. He was surrounded by people who had no interest in God or were actively rebelling against God. Does that sound familiar? And in, in, in the next chapter, it even says that God is so grieved by the wickedness of the world at this time that he decides to send a worldwide flood in judgment. Yet it's in this evil society that Enoch lived a spiritually victorious life. And that's because he built community with God. But look what else it says. It talks about that Enoch had close fellowship with God. And then God takes him to heaven. He raptures him. And then God decides to judge the evil earth with a flood. But then God also decides to save some of Enoch's relatives. He saves Noah and his family. Look at what the Bible says about Noah. It says that this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on earth at the time. And he walked in close fellowship with God. Just like Enoch, Noah lived in close fellowship with God. Noah had a deep relationship with God. And I don't believe what we're reading here is the case of two independent family members that learned how to love God in isolation. No, I believe that what we see here is that Enoch's Family legacy impacted Noah's life. Now, Enoch was raptured 134 years before Noah was born, but the 300 years that Enoch walked with God 
influenced the family generations to come. And it makes me think about this, that if we are going to experience victory like Enoch and Noah, we need to build community with God, but also with one another too, with the many different generations that are in our church family. And doesn't that fit what the Lord Jesus commands anyways? You know, when he was asked, what is the most important commandment? He replied this. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with your uh, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Biblical community, deep relationship with God and one another that cultivates victory. Do you believe this? I hope so. You know, in life groups, many of us are going through a study by Louis Giglio that's titled Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table. And in this series, Louis says this. He says, one of the greatest things that we can do is agree with God. I love that statement. It's the kind of statement that, that, that it's like the more you think about it, the, the more powerful it becomes. And God has said this thing. God said, it is not good for man to be alone. Do you agree with God in that? Your answer to that says a lot about whether or not Jesus is Lord of your life and whether or not you're going to experience victory. But before we move on to our, our final part of our River Church vision and how it applies to our vision in 2024, I wanted to mention something uh, while we are talking about generations and community. You know, our church family is growing, and this impacts us in two significant ways. Number one, if you haven't heard, this year, in 2024, we are moving to two services. We anticipate our first official two-service weekend to be March 10th. There are more details coming, but be excited. Because we are in, again, we are in a harvest season. However, we also have a very important decision to make. Because we are still building our River Kids team in order to support all the growth we've been experiencing. And we, we aren't quite ready to offer River Kids for both services. And so we need your help in making some decisions, specifically on which service we should offer River Kids at. And so if you have a child, if you have a grandchild who goes to River Kids, please be on the lookout in your email, in the ways that we communicate with you from uh, 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 some sort of communication from our River Kids director, Jackie. And when you get it, fill it out as soon as possible because it is going to help us make decisions on how to best serve our church family. Okay, the third part of our vision statement is bring joy. You know, you guys know this part. It's all over our merch. I, I, I love the phrase bring joy. It's catchy, but sometimes I need to explain how exactly it fits into our identity as a church. Look, bring joy is not about just making people happy. If that happens, praise God. But ultimately, it's evangelistic. It's being about furthering God's kingdom. As a church, we believe that the greatest joy is the gospel. And we believe God is calling our church 
to, to bring the good news of Jesus Christ to our community. Again, 2 Corinthians 4 says, For what we proclaim is not of ourselves, or not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. This year, we bring joy by proclaiming Jesus is Lord. And this is going to happen in multiple ways, but one primary way is learning how to tell our story, being equipped to tell people about what God is doing in our lives, but also developing the courage to tell people about King Jesus. And here's something we need to talk about. I, I mean, okay, so, so I get it. I get that it's intimidating to publicly follow Jesus in this world. And it's even scarier to actually tell people about Jesus. But if we want victory this year, we're going to have to learn how to share our story. How do I know that? Because Revelation 12 says this, And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb, and pay attention to this next part, and by the word of their testimony, for their love, not their lives, even unto death. You know, in his vision, the Apostle John is describing the church having victory over Satan and the forces of darkness. And that's happening by two ways. Number one, it's happening because they're trusting in what the Lamb, they're trusting in what the Lord Jesus did on the cross. But number two, it's by sharing our story or sharing their story, giving their testimony by asking people, hey, can I tell you what God is doing, what Jesus is doing in my life? And then not just asking that, just also telling them about that story. That is going to bring victory. Maybe you're thinking, you know, I don't, I don't really want to share what, what, what God is doing in my life. And, and, and because it's not even exciting. You know, if that's true, and, and I understand there's, there's exceptions for, for everything, but if that is true, there is something wrong, and it probably has nothing to do with Jesus. You know, a couple of weeks ago, Pastor John read this passage during our Thursday morning Zoom prayer meetings, but Psalm 126 says this, when the Lord brought back his exiles to Jerusalem, it was like a dream. We were filled with laughter and we sang for joy. And the other nations said, what amazing things the Lord has done for them. Yes, the Lord has done amazing things for us. What joy. You know, when God gives victory, we have abundant joy. We experience God doing more than all that we could ask or think. You know, during last year's summer camp, a couple of the boys kept going around saying, hey, chat, is this real? Like, I have no idea what that means, but I think it's a way of saying, can you believe this? It's similar to what the psalmist writes here when he says that the victory that God gave us was so good, it didn't even seem real. It was like a dream. And when the Israelites started sharing these stories of victories, it says that the world was blown away and began to give glory to God. By the way, if you liked uh, what was said in Psalm 126 in the summer, we're actually going to do a series that's titled, It Was All a Dream, out of Psalm 126. But guys, this kind of stuff should be happening in our lives here in Glastonbury. We should be experiencing victory and joy, not a boring dead faith that we're embarrassed of, 
It should be as if we are living the dream, and so much so that we have to share our stories about Jesus. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that we'll never face difficult times. Jesus himself said, I say to you these things that you may have much peace in this world. You will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. We will face trials. We will suffer, but the banner over our lives is victory, which is why Paul writes, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. But maybe you're not there yet. And if so, let me give you a good, simple, next step prayer that can move you down the path of victory. Mark 9, 24 says, the father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. The father in this story had a sick child. He needed Jesus to heal him. Jesus was willing and ready, but the father lacked faith faith. And so he prayed, I believe, but help my unbelief. And in that moment, Jesus brought joyful victory. And if you need victory today, but you are struggling, make this your personal prayer. Say, God, I believe, but help my unbelief. And then keep praying that in faith until King Jesus brings joy into your life. And so as we close, I hope that you guys are excited about 2024. I believe God is going to allow us to experience a special measure of victory, but that's also going to depend on whether or not we are going to receive Jesus as Lord. You know, I wonder who has better faith, you, me, us, or Biff from Back to, Back to the Future. Young Biff believed he had faith in old Biff and his life changed. You know, if Biff came to us today, if he came to you with a sports almanac from the future, would you believe him? Now, let me ask this. Is Biff more victorious than the Lord Jesus? Jesus doesn't give us a sports almanac, but he has given us the Bible. And in this book, it says at the end, in the future, we win. But do you believe him? Our 2024 hope is that by the end of the year, our entire church and many, many more people would emphatically answer that question, yes, we believe that Jesus is Lord and therefore we will walk in his victory. Let's pray. Father, we believe you, we agree with you, and we confess you as Lord, not just over this world, but over our lives. Help us to live this year in victory, and may your victory spread in our community for the glory of your name. In Jesus' name, amen.